0: What's up, you guys? Okay, I got to be honest. There was just this option that was like intro, outro, play music, and I was like, sure, I'll try it. So I don't even know what that was, but <laughs> let's call that my uh, intro music. So today I'm so excited. We are talking about perfectionists. This is actually something I just was on. um three national news segments in Washington, D.C. last month talking about because it is such a popular topic in my DMs and emails. And I have some solutions for you if you are raising a perfectionist or you're afraid of raising a perfectionist or you're seeing that your little one has some perfectionist tendencies. We're going to talk about really little kids and big kids. um, And Spoiler alert. We are going to talk about you. Us. It's us. Hi. We're the problem. It's us. Um, That was a little nod to my Swifties. So before we dive in, gotta give a shout out. This is truly not a um, sponsorship. I mean, I've had people ask if they could be sponsors, but honestly, I cannot get there yet. I just, I just need... To just be doing this for me and then figure out how to do that. Anyway, so this is not a sponsorship, but I do have to give a shout out to something that is making my life right now. And that is the hash brands from the frozen section at Trader Joe's. Have you had them? I mean, I I think I'm going to get a lot of hate for this, but I think that they're better than McDonald's. My friend Abby told me to get them, and she was like, "It tastes just like McDonald's." So I was like, "Ooh, what a fun little weekend treat!" No, no, no. Um, and I got them last night. Had one like as like a little late night treat because I had a late lunch, and then I was like, "Oh, I don't want like dessert. I want something salty." Forgot that I had them in my freezer. Pulled it out, popped it in my air fryer while I was recording an episode or like a, a lesson. 15 minutes. It was in the air fryer for 14 minutes. I put a little Trader Joe's sriracha salt on it. Oh my gosh. I wish I made two, but then I was like, no, I don't need two. whatever do it. And it's good. And also my sister is like a huge Trader Joe's connoisseur. Like truly she should work there. Um, if you follow me on Instagram, you've For a while, you've seen me talk about her. She's a real-life Monica Geller. She, like, loves to organize. When I was closing my storefront uh, last year, which, by the way, I have a storefront, and then I closed it to just focus on digital production of podcasts and classes and working with schools and teachers and parents in a larger scale. But spoiler alert again, I'm considering reopening in Chicago to launch some really big stuff for in-person classes at Big City Readers. But when I was closing my storefront here in Chicago, my sister came one night, and she like helped me pack everything up, cleaned so much. And at the end, I was like being so sappy and emotional, and I was like playing like Taylor Swift lover songs that because her most recent album had just been released when we were closing up last fall, 2022, and my sister was like, thank you so much for letting me come do this. And she meant because she loves to organize so much. So that's my sister. Anyway, she loves Trader Joe's. She said that some account she follows said, don't waste your time on the Sriracha salt. But I didn't listen because I had to figure it out for myself. And I'm so glad that I didn't listen because it is so good. Put it on your fries, put it on your hash browns, put it on everything. I really should be getting paid to advertise this, but it changed my life in short. Okay. So let's talk about perfectionists. Oh my gosh. Perfectionist kids. So here's the funny thing about perfectionists. I am a recovering perfectionist and a lot of people in my life that are close friends would not say this about me because perfection is not what we think it is. Well, maybe it's what you think it is because you have already figured a lot out about perfectionism and perfectionists, but it's not really what we think it is. So one of the things I notice first in kids that are perfectionists are they've all or nothing thinking. So we might think, or at least if you were like me, I thought that a perfectionist meant like they did everything perfectly and they were super type A, and wait, by the way, I forgot to tell you guys this. My sister and my best friend told me that I say "perfect, weird." Like I like say the E" sound too much, so let me know if you think that that's true. Um, because I'm like, how else do you say "perfect?" Anyway, now I'm I'm I, and now every time I say it, I think of them being like, no, you do say it weird. And I've asked like three other friends who are like, oh yeah, that's like your weird word. I was like, what? Why hasn't anyone told me until I was 32 years old? How many times do you think I've said perfect? Perfect. I don't say it like that. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> so I thought a perfectionist was, oh my gosh, this is probably gonna be my worst viewed episode which is fine because remember i am doing this as a project to overcome my perfectionist tendencies because i do fall into perfectionist paralysis so often which is when we just don't try which brings me to one of the first things i notice in kids is the all or nothing thinking perfectionists want to work hard and they want to achieve big goals and the difference with like um, someone who just is like a big achiever or competitive is that they can often be satisfied or that part of them can be satisfied with doing a good job or achieving the praise or or like good enough, like second place, even if their goal wasn't totally met. Like, so even if they're not, if they wanted to win, but they got second place, they're pretty satisfied, but a perfectionist will accept nothing less than doing it perfectly. Here's the thing. We can't like, you can't do anything perfectly. So if it's not perfect, it's a failure. It is, it's a failure. And I think if you're listening you're like, well, that's obvious to spot. It's not really obvious to spot because I, I noticed this later on in my teaching career later on, I'm not that old, but I did not notice this in my first few years, but I started to notice patterns with kids that were perfectionists and it was that all or nothing thinking. So they were not, the perfectionist kids that I saw were not so focused on their reading scores. Often they looked like the kids that were like, I'm not doing it. I can't read. I don't know how. So don't think that a perfectionist is someone that gets everything right all the time. A perfectionist is super critical of themselves. So sometimes we don't know. um, They might not be voicing it externally what they're thinking or saying to themselves, so I'm going to share some tools and strategies today that you can do to help a perfectionist give themselves a a, a nicer, sweeter inner voice to themselves and silence that inner critic a bit. It's not going to be like a snap of the fingers. But I'll give you some tools. Um, yeah, okay. feeling um, afraid to fail, but in a way that is is almost like makes them freeze. It's almost um fight or flight. it their nervous system thinks that they're like in danger almost if if they like they're just so motivated by fear, um. So they're, they're less focused on achieving, but more focused on not failing. So that would look different, you know, so for we would, if you were like me, you would say, oh my gosh, that kid is a perfectionist. They're so focused on getting the best score, but that's just high achieving. Perfectionists might look like the child that is just dragging their heels. I hate reading. I don't know how to read. I'm not doing this. Because their fear of failure is is driving them. And it's a very loud voice that they have inside their head. Um, so those are some of the things that I notice in perfectionist kids and adults. Um, one other thing, or a couple other things are, um, they often are procrastinators. So um, they might not, like... Oh, I think if you watched any of the same shows that I did growing up in the nineties, I thought like, you know, like something, somebody like, I can't even think of a character, but like the perfectionist would be somebody that does everything on time and does the extra credit and they go above and beyond, but that's just a high achiever, a perfectionist. This it's and it's not, by the way, it's not a something that you want to be. It, it is a really hard thing that is, Happening inside of a child or an adult, um and it's it's this it looks a lot different than I think a lot of us think. So there's a lot of procrastination in perfectionism. So because perfectionists are so afraid of failing, often a perfectionist person has a harder time adjusting to um a new situation, a new problem. Um, and so they procrastinate doing things. So that might look like not unpacking right away when you get home or not packing for a trip because like, you want to do everything perfectly. You want to have the best packed suitcase. And, and a lot of this is internal. It's not about showing other people. It's an internal critic that is is driving these things. So the fear of failure. Is driving that worry that. If you do something imperfectly, then that's the worst thing in the world and you shouldn't do anything at all. Um, so, okay. So that's that's kind of the the gist of perfectionism, which changed a lot of thinking for me. Um, And I hope it kind of helps you think a little bit differently about your kids. But, oh, here's the hard part. Perfectionists, if your kid is a perfectionist, they have probably learned it from one of their parents. And that's a hard pill to swallow, but have no fear, we can correct this. There's we've got solutions. Okay, so I have a personal story for you. It's kind of embarrassing actually. <laughs> but I think I mentioned before that I I used to do stand-up comedy and I did improv, but when I was doing stand-up comedy, I actually did it as a um test for myself because I like to, oh my gosh, nerd alert. I like to try out theories, research, all the things on myself to see how it works, to see what kind of goes through kids' heads. So as a perfectionist, I decided to try something that I was not good at to prove to myself, to show my brain, to start to build that evidence that our brain needs to see, look, it's okay to try something and not be good at it. And if you're listening and you're thinking how, I don't understand you built a business with no business plan, with no experience running a company. You are not a perfectionist. You are not afraid of failure. And I know I agree. It's, it's a weird, I like, don't really know. I can't really fit in a box because I think that was more like I had to I had to, there was something in me that was like, I have to help people. It wasn't about, I didn't have enough time to think about failing. It was like, I'm failing if I don't do this. So it wasn't, see, see what I mean? See that subtle difference. It wasn't about being the best company. It wasn't about, you know, I, I, I follow this, um, business owner friend. And she said that she set out when she built her company to, be the best at something. And I was like, that never, ever crossed my mind. I never wanted to be like the best tutoring company, the best early childhood company. I just knew that I couldn't leave people feeling the way that I had felt. I couldn't leave kids feeling the way that I felt when I was in school. And I didn't learn how to read the right way, right way. I couldn't, which by the way, I'll come back to that story. I just realized I'm like talking as if you all know me, but there might be some new friends here. So I'll come back to how I built this in a couple of episodes, but I couldn't leave kids feeling that way. I couldn't leave parents feeling so alone. I came from a really big family. I have a lot of siblings with special needs. And I saw that my parents had incredible resources, but I also saw that not every family did, you know, when, if the, whether it was going back to the biological parents and, and seeing they didn't have the same resources that we did at my house or the same schools. It, I just realized everybody needs support. And I just like, that's one of my driving forces is to make sure that no one feels alone, whether it's a kid or an adult. Anyway, I, I st- about 2 years ago i kind of was in this rut and i enrolled in a stand up comedy writing course at second city i do not know what i was doing and it was so funny because they asked in on the first day so there's like 8 of us and honestly i could write a whole tv show or a whole podcast about about this but the crew was so funny. I love all of them so deeply. And I never, ever would have met them if I didn't do this, but, um, I signed up for this course. And on the first day we had to go around the room and say, you know, what experience, what stage experience we have. And I always in comedy, in the comedy world, I always feel like an outsider. And actually in my next story, you're going to be like, Oh, wow. Yeah. Even more. I'm an outsider. But In the comedy world i've always felt kind of like an outsider because i always did it for a different reason than a lot of people a lot of the people in it were like trying to make it their career and in a way like it wasn't really accepted because i wasn't trying to make it my career um and that was hard for me and i okay so i enrolled in this class and we have to say our stage experience and i was kind of embarrassed to say i didn't really have stage experience Because I assumed like a lot of people had done like stage crew even or like, you know, plays in high school, but I never really was confident enough to try out for a play. I did some in in middle school, but in high school, I don't know. I just kind of got scared. Maybe it was perfectionism stopped me from doing the things I wanted to do because I wasn't going to do it well. Oh, my gosh. I feel like I just went to therapy. I never realized that. I thought it was because I thought I wasn't cool enough, but I just realized it was because I didn't think I was good enough at it. So I just didn't do it. I always wanted to act. Oh my gosh. Did you guys know you were going to be on a therapy journey with me today? I'm so glad you're here. (laughs) I feel like if I had an editor, this would be a great thing for them to edit out to get to the point. But Remember, this is a practice of me letting go of perfectionism. So you just get to witness it. By the way, I just learned that the first two episodes, I was like recording it with video because I thought, oh, this could be fun later to like pull clips. I see like podcasters pull clips and put them on their social media all the time. I didn't realize that you could like see the video. It's just like me post-workout, unshowered, talking to the computer Oh my gosh. But you know, I left it because this is helping my brain realize it's not a big deal. It really doesn't matter. And that's what we're gonna learn today about what you need to show your kids. So, okay, I signed up for this comedy class. Everybody has to say why what what um stage experience they have and why they're here. And I said, Okay, I was first. No, I was second. And somebody else like said all their actual stage experience and I was like super embarrassed. And I was like, I don't really have stage experience. I I was on Good Morning Washington this morning. I do news segments and I have a social media presence where I I do, I, I talk on stories every day and I do kids classes based on the curriculum that I've written. I I record and perform them in entertaining educational lessons based on science and research. And I don't know why I'm here. I, I got here because I kind of felt stuck. I felt stuck. And I remember the last time I felt stuck. I was 22, 23, maybe. And I felt like I needed something outside of work. I was a classroom teacher and I just felt like my work was everything. And I, I didn't know, I didn't know what to do. And so I was like, Oh, just get a hobby, go to Sorry if I just got louder. I just, I'm looking at like the dots on the audio thing. And I'm like, I haven't figured this out quite yet. How close I'm supposed to be to the microphone. I felt like I was shouting in another episode. Again, this is about me growing as a human and not being so worried about doing everything perfectly. Wow. This is like such a mirror doing this podcast, explaining perfectionism as I'm letting go of perfectionism is like some sort of like black mirror episode. I actually never watched that show. I don't know if that reference lands. So anyway, I was like the last time I went to do something or when I when I felt stuck, I went to Second City. So I kind of felt stuck again and I didn't know where else to go, so I came back to the place that I came last time I felt stuck. And everyone was like, "Wow, that was really deep." Everyone else was like, "I just kind of felt like I needed something fun." So, <laughs> I was working on overcoming perfectionism and I daily so i one of the strategies that i work with families and and students on is um to do something that you're not good at i know that sounds really easy but you have to consistently do something that you're not good at to show your brain look i did something i'm not good at and it was okay and it it needs a lot of evidence because think about all of the years months weeks days hours, minutes that your critic has been talking, saying that it has to be, you have to do it perfectly or you won't do it at all. So it's not going to be like one class at Second City is going to rewire your brain to not worry about being a perfectionist. No, it takes, and here's the kicker, it takes four times for every one time, four positive for every one negative. So if you think like the negative voice in your head was like, Don't do it. If you can't do it perfectly. Well, you need four times of saying it's okay to do it. Even if you don't do it perfectly, you might have fun. It's okay to do it. If you don't do it perfectly, you might learn something. It's okay. If you don't do it perfectly, it might just be a reason to get out of your house that day. You know, like showing your brains, you need so many more pieces of evidence positive pieces of evidence to combat those negative ones and it depends on how long you've been saying to yourself no 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 so i enroll in this class to kind of build that muscle in my brain that says look you did something new you did something that you didn't know how to do you did something that you weren't really good at and you're okay and you had fun and It actually made you better at other parts of your life. So maybe, maybe it's not so bad to not do something if you can't do it perfectly. Maybe it's not. mm, I can't. I might have said it the wrong way. Maybe it's not so bad to try things. So I do this class. I become friends with everybody in my group. We write comedy together. We actually, a couple of us wrote a podcast together um, we performed, we did open mic nights. We had a big show at second city uh, a couple months later and it was great. It was actually like one of the hardest things I've ever done writing an eight minute stand-up set, because it's not just like jokes. Like you have to connect them. You have to think about something original. You have to bridge it all together. You have to be surprising, which also I realized is the same format for writing a children's book. Like the the same formula for writing a joke is the same formula for writing a children's book. It is, you have a pattern that you follow and like you get your, like your audience or your reader being like, Oh yeah, yeah, I know where that's going. And then it's like, surprise, a pattern disruption. And our brain goes crazy about that. They're like, Oh my gosh. So there's like in comedy, they call it the rule of threes. And then like, there's a surprise at the end. So In a storybook, though, it's the same thing. So if you think about a book, like if you've ever read Dear Zoo, it's like I wrote to the zoo to send me a pet and they sent me an elephant, but he was too big. So I sent him back. So they sent me a frog, but he was too jumpy. So I sent him back. So they sent me a lion, but he was too fierce. So I sent him back. Anyway, it goes on with all the animals. So you get the pattern. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your brain's like, I got this. I got this. Oh my gosh. I know what's happening. I know what's coming. I know what's coming. And at the end, it's like, finally, they sent me a puppy and he was perfect. So I kept him. And your brain's like, what? You broke the pattern. Same thing happens in comedy. Like I said, look at this. Look at the way that I was trying to do something I wasn't good at. And it made me... Better in other areas of my life. So, if you're a little perfectionist friend of mine, I see you. Trust me, it's going to help you. So, just yeah, try something that you're not good at. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, stand up comedy, wrote a bit. I'll talk about that probably in every episode, it seems like. Anyway, I, <laughs> I was doing one, I, I became really, then I kind of like, I kind of got pretty good at my stand-up set and, and different things. I liked doing crowd work and I was at an open mic night one night and I was just feeling like, Oh, I love this. I'm going to do more of this. Okay. So then the next night I go with some of my comedy friends to do an open mic night. And I decided to not prep and to not, not like overthink it because I was forgetting the reason I came here, why I wanted to do comedy in the first place. So I went to do my set unprepared and I bombed and it was super embarrassing for me, but I, what I wasn't prepared for was that my friend was like, dude, that was bad. You're better than that. And then I was like, all of a sudden acutely aware, of the things that kids face every day when they are expected to be good at something. It just feels like you let people down and it wasn't even about them. Like it did not affect my friend at all. But she was disappointed in me because I usually been really good at my stand up, But I told her afterward that I was actually trying to just be myself and not be afraid to fail. And she was mad at me for that. Um, and anyway, I was like, wow, this is so real because I I wasn't even that bad, to be honest. I mean, like I actually won that night. I won best comic of 40 comics at the standup. And here's the thing, I felt terrible. I felt like it was my worst performance because my friend said, dude, you're usually better than that. I won. I literally won $100. I was voted the best. And I felt so sad when I went home. Like, I felt like, gosh, I really did crush it because I had conditioned everyone in my class and in my group to to see me in a certain way and to expect something from me. And, and they were disappointed when I didn't perform in a certain way. But it made me think, like, what was the goal then? My goal was to have fun. I did have fun until someone told me I didn't do my best. But my best in that moment was to not care. And I was rewiring my brain. It was a really challenging moment for me, but it helped me see what kids go through daily when they it's not even about they don't even know how to look to themselves to be proud of themselves because we start so early being like, you are so good. Oh my gosh, I love that. It's amazing. So let's dive in because I don't want to keep this too long. Let's dive into some practical ways we can help kids not be perfectionists. So one of the biggest things to do is to remember early and often to put our focus on the effort and not the outcome. Um, This means if your child, and I know, like, try to do it 80% of the time because it feels so like, oh, be careful. Oh, don't say careful. Oh, no. Did I ruin their childhood by telling them to be careful? There's just so many like, do this, not that. And it's overwhelming. So try this like 80% of the time. If your child brings you their scribble for the first time, try noticing something that they did instead of something they produced. So... That means like say, "Ooh, wow, can you tell me more about how you chose red? I really like red. How did you choose red? So we're helping them look inward at the decisions they make as opposed to look outward at what people say about what they produce because, oh my gosh, like we want them to produce things because it comes from their creativity and not because they think this is how I please them. So that's the very first thing I focus on is try to try to celebrate their effort and not the accomplishment. So also, I want to clarify, obviously, we all want what is best for our kids, and we want them to have a lot of opportunities. We want them to do their best. This is not that we're not saying let's give every kid a, a participation trophy. We're not saying don't do your best but we want to reframe our goals with our kids. So do we want kids to be perfect? No, because the quest for perfection makes us stuck and it really doesn't stop kids or adults from failing. It just stops us from trying, experimenting, learning and growing, which is literally what life is. Trying things we've never done before is how we navigate how the world works, how we build this foundation and these pathways. Oh my gosh. My, I hope that that didn't cut out. Something just said reconnected. So I hope that you didn't miss that. I'm going to repeat that in case it did (laughs) trying things we've never done before is how we navigate how the world works and how we problem solve and problem being a problem solver is worlds better than being someone who does everything perfectly because you are not going to know how to do everything until you've done it. So we want to raise kids that aren't afraid of trying things they've never done. And every time we try something we've never done, we give our brain evidence that we can try scary things and not do it perfectly and we're still here and maybe it was fun. And that's actually how we build resilience. But sometimes on this quest to have our kids leave full, exciting lives. We lean too much into the wrong types of wins, um, which is what help, what is making us raise little perfectionists instead of little problem solvers. So a lot of people ask, like, could I be pushing perfectionism without realizing it? And what are things I can stop doing? So I always say, <laughs> focus less on reading scores or reading levels or perfect test scores i even say this if you go on a school tour like worry less about the curriculum and more about if the school is willing to make accommodations based on new research and so if kids are and this oh this also like comes from being in the classroom too so I never, when I was a classroom teacher, would be like, ooh, I like how Millie is sitting right now because that just feeds that part of the brain that's like, ooh, I am good when I am complacent. And in the classroom, yeah, that's, that will reward you, but that's not really what's going to reward you in the real world. So instead of focusing on rewarding kids for passing a reading level or being quiet, Make your focus on when they take a chance. Follow their cues or when they know how to listen to their brain and their body to know what their gifts are and their, their strengths are and also to know what's tricky for them and how they can still try it anyway. So some easy activities that you can do instead. Are you ready for this? Have you ever heard of the movie Yes Day? Um, I think it was also a book. I really should know that. But Yes Day, it's a movie. It came from a book. I believe it did. I don't know. I This is why when I have podcast money, like of like somebody who gets paid to make a podcast instead of just somebody that wants to have free education out there. I would say, hey, Sylvia, can you fact check this? Um, (laughs) And then they would edit this part out and then it would be fact checked already. But we're doing this together. We're growing together. We're growing this part of our brain. We're growing our resilience. Wow, I'm really proud of us. And even that tiny thing of saying, I'm proud of me for doing this, it's changing your brain chemistry. So instead of yes day, yes day is when kids get to say, ask whatever they want and the parent has to say yes. There's rules, of course, like it might be like, we can't leave the country, whatever. You get to pick your own things. Well, I like to do a mistake day. So that looks like, okay, everybody in the house today, and this is a big thing for perfectionists. They do not want to feel isolated. Like, come on, it's okay to make a mistake. They need to see everyone making mistakes. This is not going to happen overnight, especially if you have a perfectionist already, but You can start this very early with little kids. We want to have a mistake day. So your brain is already wired to go for a goal. So give the goal, make that goal that they're trying to hit to be to make mistakes. We want to make as many mistakes as we can. And that perfectionist brain is going to feel really like, oh, okay, wait, I was trying to make a mistake. Oh, that was good. Now it's, it's not... This does not happen instantly. You're going to have to do a lot of practice with this. So don't expect it to happen overnight. And remember, you are going to have to make mistakes too. A parent asked me, they're like, my child knows like we're making mistakes. And then he will just be like, oh, I dropped my crayon, made a mistake. And he like won't really do mistakes in reading or writing. And that's okay. It's going to take time. Remember that part of the brain has is so wired to not make mistakes is not going to be easy to change it. But trust me that this practice is rewiring connections in the brain. So just keep practicing making mistakes and just being like, oh, that's okay. I made a mistake. Your brain is an algorithm. Like think of your brain like TikTok or Instagram. I'm sorry if you're not on either of those, this analogy might not make sense. Well, you know how an algorithm works. So your brain is like an algorithm. So think about like TikTok. So if I'm like, I want a new car and I search new car on TikTok, and then I see a Jeep and I'm like, Ooh, I want to get a Jeep. And then all of a sudden I start seeing videos of Jeeps in my, for you page. And I'm like, Oh, and if I watch one, For more than 15 seconds, then it's going to show me another one. Okay. If I watch one for more than, you know, five seconds, it's going to show me more. And then, so every, you know, three videos by the end of the week, I'm seeing Jeeps. So the same thing happens in your brain. So if we say, yay, I made a mistake. That means I'm growing. Well, we just kind of just sent notice to the algorithm. Hey, we're going to be looking for less videos on needing to do things perfectly, more videos on making mistakes. It's not going to immediately change, but the more you look at it, the more you tell your algorithm by even it's kind of like the fake it till you make it. You're just rewiring. So you're saying like, oh, yeah, I made a mistake. Even if your child isn't believing you, we're still going to keep saying, oh, yay, mistake day. Do it once a month, do it once a week, do it for half a day, do it for one hour, you know, see what works for you and your family. But it will be a slow rewiring, but it is worth it. Um, so I also, when I'm teaching kids how to write or draw, I'll just do something little like make a circle and not connect it all the way um, and be like, oops, that's, oh, that's okay that was my best work and just move on. So modeling at their appropriate level, and I'll talk about this in another episode too, but it's really important to model at your child's approximate developmental level. So that means if they ask you to draw a picture, draw it, how they're going to be able to draw it because I'm sorry to say if we're drawing it and trying to like impress them when they're 3 that's slowly building that perfectionism in them because they're already feeling like i cannot do that but if you start showing them at a level that they can attempt to recreate they're going to be like oh i can do that and so they're going to start building that and if you are like oh great my kid's 6 and i did all of these things you're it's not it's fine we just have to start adding in those ways you can make a mistake. And then remember how we talk to our kids becomes their inner voice. So tell them about a problem you had that day. Tell them, oh, I went to a restaurant with a friend and I was kind of nervous because I've never been there and I was kind of embarrassed to ask for help. And I was like afraid that I was going to go and like ask the wrong person and they didn't work there. It's like, Oh, it's okay to make a mistake. It's okay if that happens. So say like, I actually did. I went up to someone wearing a white shirt. Cause I thought everyone that worked there was wearing white shirts, but it was someone that didn't work there. And I asked them for help. And they said, Oh, I actually don't work here. And then I said, Oh my gosh, I'm so silly. And then it was fine. And then I got to my friend and I told her the story and we both laughed. It was really silly, like. Telling them those tiny moments that happened to you where you kind of had that fear and then you like model, you do a think aloud, you model what you do, how you felt, and then show them that it was okay is how we build that that resiliency. And I guess I'm going to end with one last piece of advice that if you are trying to raise an anti perfectionist child to think about is kids don't do what we say, they do what we do. So it's very easy to tell kids that they don't have to do it perfectly. But if they see us trying to do something perfectly, like maybe you're painting a room in your house and you're upset at yourself for making lots of mistakes, well, that's totally normal, but like, see if you can be like, eh, not that big of a deal. Be patient we have to take a lot of time to to build this new this new way in our brain to not be so scared of making a mistake. But also like you can point out examples of people trying and making mistakes and then narrate it for your kids and see how it's not that big of a deal. So maybe you can say, oh, that parking attendant didn't know how to lift the gate and it was okay. You know, think of like what's happening. Start telling your brain to look for people making mistakes. And you'll see them all over the place. And then you'll get to celebrate them. And then you're going to rewire your brain and your child's brain so that they don't fear making a mistake. Um, That's all I have for you today. But I have a feeling we are going to talk a lot more about perfectionists. Oh, my goodness. It's a lot. I know it's a lot and it's a journey, but be patient. You got this. They are watching you much more than they are listening to you. So narrate what's happening in your brain. Show them that you made a mistake and say, yay. Just just telling your brain that is slowly building your algorithm to start to watch longer videos about perfectionism and, and how it's not that big of a deal. So keep just trying these things. Remember, it's going to take a while. So don't you don't have to do it all day, every day. Maybe do it like for 20 minutes, two times a week for six weeks, a little bit is going to add up a lot. I will leave you with this one embarrassing story. When I was in high school, I was at Coldstone, which I don't know if that exists anymore, an ice cream place. And they had an ice cream that I wanted strawberries. And so I ordered it. I said, I will have, I was so confident with my friends. I said, I'll have a strawberry banana rendivis. The word I was trying to say was rendezvous, but I had never seen it before. I think I was a freshman in high school. It was so embarrassing. It takes up brain space that what else could I be doing if I just, if my parents had done more like, Haha, Oh my gosh, isn't that funny when you say the wrong thing? And showed me how to move on from that. But no, my brain chooses to remind me of that story and fill my blood with embarrassment at least twice a week, 20 years later. Not that my parents did anything wrong, but you can protect your children from holding way too much brain space for something that does not matter. This is not going to make your kids not try their best. In fact, you're probably going to see a lot more success. Let me know if you guys have any questions or how else I can help you and your family or you and your classroom on this journey. Um, And I will see you in the next episode.